fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America, the next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a Friday. Hey, finally making it to the end of the week, man. TGIF. Be celebrating. Pat yourself on the back, man. You made it through another one. You scream, I scream, we all scream for ice cream. That's what we do here each and every day. Welcome into the show. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Got a big show lined up for you here. Momentarily, we may... Not confirmed. We may talk with Jay Green. He's a senior fellow of research at the Heritage Foundation. We'll chat with him about some school choice issues. We'll see if we're able to get him on the program. If not, not a big deal. We'll get him on here soon. Pastor Stephen Broden, we're going to try take two with him this afternoon at uh, the bottom of the hour as we were going to have him on last week. Had some technical issues. We weren't able to get him on the phone, so we will get him on here in just a little bit to talk about the changing of the votes across the nation, the uh, African-American vote that is starting to steer away from Democrats, go towards maybe Donald Trump or at least the Republican Party in general. What does that look like? Is it really happening? And how do we reach certain demographics of voters across the nation? So we will get to that here in just a little bit. Not sure if you're aware or not, but also with the kickoff of February means that we are in Black History Month. So there's that. And speaking of, can we just take a moment? Just take one moment. I am am torn apart, my friends. This has been a rough day. I'm very sad. Did you hear the news today? of a particular individual passing away, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers, if, if you don't recognize that name or if you're like, I don't remember who that is, Carl Weathers. He was in, uh, he was Apollo Creed and Rocky. He was also in The Mandalorian. He was in, uh, if you if you watched, uh, what was it? Uh, Fort, not Force Gump, um, think of the water boy, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore with Adam Sandler. Yeah, he was in that. He was in a lot of great movies. And unfortunately passed away at the age of 76 years old. But Happy Gilmore, Predator as well, died in his sleep earlier uh, today, last night, this morning. Ended up passing away. Our condolences, the uh, thoughts and prayers to the family. Carl Weathers, man, he was the great one with Rocky with uh, being Apollo Creed. He did that fantastically. And obviously with the new Creed movies that are out now that uh, Sylvester Stallone continues to make. Those are fantastic as well. Highly recommend those. But Carl Weathers, we uh, our condolences, my friend. What a great actor and individual that he was. Really enjoyed a lot of his work. All right, lots to get to today. There is a lot of news bouncing around in Washington, D.C. Obviously still the immigration bill, uh, which we're all frustrated about because we still don't have a lot of details on this bill. We had the tax bill that passed the House yesterday. They're in the Senate now that we talked about yesterday that really doesn't do a whole lot with tax rates. It does expand the child tax credit and do some other things, moving money around. A tax cut of what, according to the mainstream media, says is a near $78 billion tax cut at the federal level. So uh, we'll see what the House passes that one. And I'm sure, here's my theory, is that as they talk about taxes, they talk about immigration, you know Democrats, they're going to try and weasel their way in to try and use both of them to leverage against each other because Democrats are good at playing politics, unlike what Republicans are good, do, uh, good doing of playing dirty politics. That's the key word, dirty politics. And we'll see what they move forward with 
uh, on this immigration bill. I know everybody's up in arms about the whole 5,000 migrants coming in a day, illegal migrants coming in a day before we actually activate our law enforcement to do something and close the border, uh, which reinforces the idea that Joe Biden really would lie to us bold-faced about uh, actually closing the border when he deems it necessary, when the crisis becomes too much, which I still don't know what constitutes a crisis to be too much for him to not want to actually secure the border because right now they say that putting up barbed wire fence and the state of Texas putting up fence to try and stop people from coming over is actually making it harder for Border Patrol to do their job. Not quite sure how that works. I'm not not quite understanding the flow of uh, the thought process there to say, oh, by putting up a wall to stop people from coming in easier makes it difficult for us to do our job as enforcing people from not coming in illegally. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but again, you have to think of the logic of a Democrat, which can you can you do that? I, I don't know. That you, <laughs> I don't quite know that you really can do that. So we have all that in D.C. We'll touch on that throughout the program today. There are some state issues, though, as you know, that I love at this time of year. This is one of my favorite times of year, because not only is the federal government doing a bunch of shenanigans, but the statewide levels all over the nation are working on things as well in their state legislative sessions. And to me, those are probably some of the most important times of the year because under a concept of federalism, under the concept of states having their own sovereignty and doing their own thing, that they have the ability to make laws that are probably more important than what's going on in Washington, D.C. And the benefit of that is that you, the voter, you, the constituent, you, the activist, you, the person that's relatively engaged in the process, you actually have a better say and more of an influence on what's going on in your state government than what you do at the federal government. You can walk in to the office of your state legislature. You can go to the committee hearings in your state legislature. You can actually call them up and talk to them. You may be even neighbors to them, and you can just go knock on their door and say, hey, the hell are you doing voting with this piece of legislation? Fill in the blank legislation, if you want to. FCC approved word we can't say. You have an influence. You have more of a say in that process, unlike in Washington, D.C., where you're just kind of you know, the, the resounding echo of the ripple of the wave. And D.C.'s like, yeah, that's nice, but we're just going to continue doing our own thing. So I love talking about some of these statewide issues, and there are a lot of them, good and bad, going on around the nation. One of them kind of piqued my ear, though, according to Fox Business News uh, earlier today, as the state of Connecticut working to cancel medical debt for all eligible residents in the state of Connecticut. According to the reports and the governor, Ned Lamont, a Democrat who was on Good Morning America, said, quote, this is not something that they were uh, that they did, that they were spending too much money. This is because they got hit with a medical emergency and they should not have to suffer twice, first for the illness, then with the debt. They say eligible residents will not have to apply for the relief as the state will work directly with the contract agency to eliminate the medical debts. This relief should go into the effect as of June of this year. Now, this is coming from someone who has filed medical bankruptcy a few years ago, if you remember. And for those in the local market in the Wichita, Kansas area, where my radio station's flagship, if you remember, we actually left the radio for a short time. We had to move out of state, go closer to family, because we were recouping from a medical uh, medical emergency and a, a uh, medical bankruptcy that we had to file because of Mrs. Voice of Reason's medical illnesses. Uh, and we've talked about those on the program quite a bit. She has lupus, and she's had a lot of medical issues. We've gone through a lot of specialists, and we were on even a kidney transplant list for a while. It was an entire mess. Everything's hunky-dory. Well, I take that back. Everything's under control now, at least more so than it ever has been, and it's not because of the medical industry. It's because of the fact that she is 
a holistic healer now. The I say holistic healer. She's an herbalist, and she's able to take care of herself on an herbal, holistic, natural remedy side to where she doesn't have the medical emergencies to be rushed to the emergency room. She doesn't have to go to specialists anymore. Still has the lupus, but is able for the most part to keep it at bay on her own. Taking her health into her own hands will have more information on her Hoosier health, which she's launched because of that, trying to help others as well because of that. And in fact, the last time we had her on the program a long time ago, a few months ago, we actually had a bunch of you, the listeners, waiting for her to actually release a lot of this. And thank you for that. And she's officially done that. We'll talk about that at a later time. Not the point of the conversation. The point of the conversation is, is that we finally had enough because going to the ER and having medical emergencies, I'm not talking about like the broken arm where you just go and get casted up and be good and be sent on your way again. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about serious illnesses. We finally got sick of relying on them to continuously just mess us around, bounce us from one doctor to another, one specialist to another, and then the insurance company saying, well, we don't really cover that one. Well, we're going to put up our wall here. Well, you have to fight against this one. I have to admit, I am absolutely sick and tired of insurance industries. They're there to supposed to be helping you. They don't help you. They make it more complicated, but if you don't have it, then you're kind of SOL, and it's an entire process. That's why I think so many people are frustrated with the industry as a whole. It's not there to heal people. It's not there to help people. It's there to make the money, patch people up, and send them on their way. And that's not to say there are not good nurses or good doctors out there. That is not an attack on the individuals that are in the industry. That is just a fact of statement from the industry as a whole. And people are waking up to things like that. People are wanting to change a lot of that right now. So for them to go after this, it sounds like a good idea. But like usual, we're not reverse engineering the problem to figure out the problem at its root. Instead, we're just doing the patchwork. Instead of just actually going in and sewing up the broken leg that's gashed wide open from a crash, we're just putting a larger Band-Aid on it, thinking that this is going to solve the issue. Let me ask you a question. If you get sent to the emergency room and you have an issue and you can't pay for that and you have insurance, then what happens? The insurance will cover some of it. You can't afford the rest. You file medical bankruptcy or you live your life in debt for the rest of your life trying to pay this off each and every day with the either the bill for the emergency room, the bill for the helicopter, the bill for the hospital room that you had to stay in, the pharmaceutical bill that's every single month just to keep you at bay, just to keep you moving. Or you can just say that you're an illegal immigrant, that you don't have any insurance, you don't have any issues, you go in, you get taken care of, you leave, and then you guess what? The entire bill gets consumed by the taxpayer that gets bailed out by the federal government and the hospital continues to keep on moving. Seems like an interesting situation, right? Because it sounds to me like someone else who doesn't have insurance, who doesn't take care of themselves, and who says that they can't afford that, they get off a little bit easier than those that are trying to do the right thing. And while we're bailing out individuals that are trying to do the right thing by having to almost file medical bankruptcy, having all this medical debt across the state of Connecticut, it sounds good, but we're not addressing the problem at its roots. What's the problem at its roots? Oh, that's right. The reason why it's so damn expensive in the first place to even get any type of medical treatment. The left side of the aisle that says that healthcare is a right, which I strongly, vehemently disagree with, because your health is your right, but how you take care of yourself is up to you. It's not your right to eat Doritos every day, all day long, be able to have a heart failure, and then go there and say, I can't afford the treatment for a heart transplant. That is no one else's fault other than yours. So your health is your human right. And we can go down that road for later social issues like abortion or other issues like that. But at the end of the day, your health is your responsibility and yours alone. 
And it's up to you to either provide yourself with good insurance, become a healer yourself with holistic means, or do whatever you have to do to take care of you and recognize the value of yourself to heal yourself or to make sure that yourself is healthy. The government bailing out medical debt tells us that the medical industry is making money because who's going to profit that money? The hospital is. The pharmaceutical industry is. The healthcare industry as a whole, they're the ones getting the money, getting the bills paid off that were so expensive that individuals couldn't afford it, which means in a free market capitalist system that at least we're supposed to have, whether we have it or not, that it's out of skew, that the Laffer curve is not in the happy balance in the middle of the curve like it's supposed to be, because if that were the case, we wouldn't have to file the bankruptcy because we'd be able to afford it. We'd have insurance that would be affordable that actually covers things that are supposed to be covered. We could actually take care of our family with insurance that actually covers specialists like we're supposed to. Or it covers issues that uh, may come up and as a surprise that we have to be helicoptered out and uh, to a hospital. Regardless, there's a system that's supposed to be there to cover those things. And if you don't have insurance, then the prices are affordable enough to where, yeah, you may have a little bit of debt, but you can get it paid off. Why? Because... The free market says that that's the most affordable way for the most amount of consumers to be able to take advantage of the certain service. We are so out of whack. And the reason we're out of whack, any guess, anybody? Any guess, anyone? Oh, yeah, it's because government's interference. I'm sorry. Was I not allowed to say that? <laughs> the fact that the government's interference, government regulating itself in the first place is what caused the Laffer curve to be out of skew, what caused the prices to be out of skew. So the solution is, again, to them, Let's use more government to bail them out instead of let's fix the system to make sure this doesn't happen again. Socialized medicine, government consumption is the exact opposite way to go here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John Wright, it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. So I know that a lot of what I just said is rhetorical, and a lot of people, obviously, that are listening are like, duh, Andy, what you just said makes total lot of sense. We already know this. But I'm really reaching out to the other side. As you know, we're not just an echo chamber here on the program. We have a lot of different people from different views. And I'm trying to just have that aha moment pop on for some that are like, oh, uh, uh, here's a prime example. We have a uh, individual that works at the radio studios here, a little bit younger, and asks that starting for the first time now that he's doing some news, starting to get involved in and in understand some of the current events, some of the politics, asking questions, wondering, hey, what about this? What about that? And the uh, he always seems to go to the obvious solution, which is what the media and the mainstream talking points are: is well, why can't the government just come in and step in and fix the issue? Why can't they just come in and just bail out? Why can't they do this bailout here? Why can't they be part of this? And when we sit down and we have the conversation, I try to explain it in this fashion, to ask those and be like, is it really the duty? Does that really solve the issue? Or is it just putting a Band-Aid on the problem in the first place? And you can see the light bulb begin to come on and be like, oh, that makes so much more sense. Oh, yeah, we have to solve this so that way we don't have to worry about this anymore. We can keep bailing people out over and over and over again, or we can solve the issue to where we don't need to bail people out because they're self-sufficient. We can keep uh, having this issue on immigration, and we can keep having more come in and then giving them amnesty, and then more coming in and giving them amnesty, and more coming in and giving them amnesty, and trying to get them to vote and becoming registered citizens and registered voters and so on and so forth. Or 
we can solve the immigration problem. We can actually have proper immigration law. We can enforce the immigration laws that are on the books and actually make sure that we have a good system to where we don't have to deal with this anymore. But yet the government's not there to solve any problems. They're there to put the Band-Aids on and try and gain as much power as they possibly can. And this is not just a federal issue level problem. This is a state government problem as well. The state of Connecticut wanting to bail out all the individuals with medical debt sounds nice. That's great. Why did we get in that situation in the first place? Joe Biden, the Biden administration wanting to bail out student loan debt sounds nice. How did we get to that place in the first place? How did we get to that situation with all these students that can't pay their student loans, with all these kids that are racking up the debt and can't go out and buy a home and start a life and actually do what the older generations had done prior to us by actually starting their lives with a good career and some decent money and actually living their life and just starting their family and doing their thing. All those generations before that were successful, and now all of a sudden we're staying at home till the age of 30, 35, trying to pretend like we're an adult, trying to pay off our student loan and not being able to spend so much money, and then blame the government for it and ask for some type of bailout. We have to start thinking about things differently because if you notice, the hamster wheel continues in D.C. And in every governmental agency, in every governmental organization, in every government level across the nation, statewide, local, and nationwide, where we always have the simple solution of government, solve it, do something. And we know deep down that that's not really solving the issue. It may put the Band-Aid on it temporarily, but that gash in our leg continues to get wider and wider, and you just have to find a bigger Band-Aid to actually solve that issue. Coming up, we can fix these things. We can become the activists. We can do the changes. It comes down to us actually showing up and voting. There are a couple primaries that are coming up around the corner. Next week, actually, just to let you know, we have all eyes are on South Carolina right now, which is like, what, the end of February, 27th or something like that, 26th. So the time's coming up for them. There is one coming up prior to that, which is really strange because no one's even talking about it, which is the state of Nevada. Don't have a lot of time to talk about Nevada's primaries today. We'll probably do that on the syndicated show on the weekend and on Monday for the program as well, talking about Nevada, because they have for the Republicans, they have a both primary and a caucus. Yeah, that's kind of strange. I know. What does that mean? So we'll break some of that down on what Nevada is actually doing this coming up week and actually voting starting this weekend for the Democrats uh, for sure with their primary on Tuesday and the Republican caucus on Thursday next week. Why they're doing that is an interesting story with the Democrats that are trying to change things, open it up to open voters and enrollment and the primary process that is by mail only and Republicans not liking that process. We'll do some of that coming up later on as well. Pastor Stephen Broden coming up around the corner to talk about some minority communities and how we can get them to win over to the Republican side right after this. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it on the home stretch here. Last half hour of the show for a Friday, greatest day of the entire week. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Interesting stuff going on with Nevada's primaries slash caucus. Both of them happening next week. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We have Connecticut right now trying to bail out medical debt. We have California trying to bail out student loans. We have the federal government trying to bail out student loans. Everybody just wants a piece of that free money, just good and giving things all around. And instead of asking the question, 
why are we having to bail people out because it's so damn expensive? We're just saying, hey, there's a problem here. Let's put that Band-Aid on. It seems to be the only good thing that government does, and that's not a very good thing to do, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we'll talk about some more of that when we come back here around the corner. Let's shift gears, though, and let's get into our What's Trending. What's Trending Today. As... I'm fascinated by the internal workings of elections, election season, politics, and where the demographics are. And can we start winning over communities that aren't normally voting Republican? And why isn't certain demographics voting for Republicans? I will tell you right now, and I've said it throughout the last few weeks, that Joe Biden is losing on demographics left and right. The Hispanic population is sick and tired of what's going on at the border and allowing cartels to come in and the fentanyl and the human trafficking and the guns and all that garbage. We have the African-American communities that are completely upset and fed up with the Biden administration. We have the Muslim communities. Now we just read, what, a day or two ago that the Michigan and the Montana, or I'm sorry, Minnesota Muslim communities say that they're not voting for Joe Biden, which could be a swing in there. Donald Trump is in play in the state of Minnesota, which is usually a deep blue area because of the Muslim populations and Ilhan Omar and those types that are up in those areas, Michigan not wanting to vote for Joe Biden in the Muslim community because of his lack of support for Palestine. Then he puts uh, certain executive orders and slaps onto Israel to try and back off with the ongoing conflict. And now he's got the Jewish community upset with him as well. So Democrats can't get to break, man. They're just uh, all over the place. But how do we reach them out and not just win by showing how bad the other side is, but winning by true conservatism, winning by ideals, winning by the understanding that, that America is the opportunity for everyone, has the land of opportunity, is the streets paved with gold and the Statue of Liberty saying that everybody can come here and have that piece of the pie and take advantage of a free market capitalist system. How do we win those individuals over? Excited to have on the program. We tried it last week. We had some technical issues. Excited to have him on this week and get him back on here as he is the founder of the Fair Park Bible Fellowship Church and is the senior pastor, also serves as the president of the Fair Park Fellowship Center as well, and author of the book, Pawns of Change, The Exploitation of Black Americans by Progressive Liberals. Happy to have on the program here, Pastor Stephen Broden. Pastor, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you, Andy? I am living the dream. It's so good to chat with you, and Happy New Year. Uh, It's fascinating to watch, and I hate identity politics. We all hate identity politics where we're so uh, asphyxiated on someone's skin color or race or heritage or religion or gender or sexual orientation. Uh, but we seem to be in as the mosaic of this nation with different communities th- where there are certain communities that just refuse to want to revote Republican because of what's been instilled in their minds. But it looks like those dynamics are changing a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, certainly. I, I believe that the economy has a way of getting our attention like nothing else can. And the kind of suffering that's going on in our with many Americans as a result of the Joe Biden economy a lot of people are looking up and saying, you know, what's what's going on and why is this happening? And they're making the connection between this administration and their and the the, the shortness of their uh, check every month. Yeah, they can tell us that Bidenomics is working. They've created 13 million jobs and how everything's so wonderful. We averted some type of recession or depression. They can tell all of this good stuff, but that doesn't really work when you go to the grocery store and you see food up 20 percent over the past couple of years. Right. Well, absolutely. When you buy a carton of eggs, you're almost spending 10 to $15 for it. Mm. You know, something's seriously wrong. No matter how they spend the economy, it doesn't show up at the end of the month when your money is run completely out. Yeah. Have Republicans done enough, a good enough job 
of reaching communities, inner city communities or the Hispanic communities or the black communities and reaching out and saying, hey, this is what we believe in. Don't worry about the hype from the media. You know, don't worry about the Democrats calling us racist all the time or trying to create this uh, this division between us. Has the Republican Party done a good enough job reaching communities and explaining what conservatism really is? Well, absolutely not. I, I do believe that the the elite, um, the country club Republicans, are are um, slow to respond and and neg- negligible, I, I would say, in reaching out to other communities. Uh, the grassroots Republicans, that's a different thing. Uh, many grassroots Republicans are intentional, and they attempt to do it, but it is hard to overcome when you see the kind of lethargy and indifference that's coming from the Republican elite. Um, I've said in my book, Ponds of Change, one of the uh, serious deficits that is obvious in the Republican Party is that they allow the Democratic Party to define who they are in the black and Hispanic community. Uh, because we do not hear from them, the Republicans, and all we hear is from the Democrats who define what a Republican is and define uh, the problems with the uh, Republican Party. And so our perspective, and when I say our, I'm talking about the community, the perspective of the black community and the Hispanic community is one-sided. They're hearing only one voice, and that's the voice of the opposition that defines what a Republican is, and why it is that you should not vote for them. And that's the fault, I believe, of the Republican power elite. You know, they have been uh, indifferent, and many of the consultants who consult with them uh, tell these candidates who are running for office, don't worry about the black community, don't worry about the Hispanic community, they're going to vote Democrat, so don't even bother. And they take the advice of these consultants, and they move them away from the black community and the Hispanic community when, in fact, the opportunity is wide open. I think there's some low-hanging fruit in the community, especially now in light of the fact that many people are suffering right now. And they're seeing that a lot of these illegal immigrants are coming in and they're getting a lot of the subsidies and a lot of the medical support and educational support and all the other supports that are available to them at the expense of uh, American citizens. And and people are seeing that, they're recognizing that, and they're making the connection between uh, Joe Biden and his administration and the kind of uh, disconnect that is happening in their community with this administration. Yeah. Amen to that. You're absolutely right. There's a major messaging problem in the Republicans. We've never allowed uh, ourselves to control the dialogue. We're always on the defense for whatever the media, whatever the Democrats say is the dialogue for the day, is the messaging of the day. And we're always kicked back on our heels, which is something the party somehow needs to fix. And I'm not sure quite how, because we always seem to be scared of our own shadow. Uh, But because of that, we're always one step behind, which is unfortunate. Uh, In your book, you talk about the exploitation of black Americans by the progressive liberals. Talk about some of these examples of how the black communities have been exploited by the Democrats uh, throughout the the history. Well, uh, actually, uh, the black community was a Republican community for many, many years. As you well know, that the Emancipation Proclamation was declared by uh, Abraham Lincoln, who was a Republican, and it was the Republicans who were pushing the abolitionist agenda uh, against uh, the Democrats. And the Democrats have a history of being
um, a very racist organization that was responsible for supporting the Ku Klux Klan and, and the 100 years of lynching, all of that. But it flipped when uh, Johnson, uh, Lyndon Johnson, made a uh, acknowledgement of the fact that if we support the blacks in uh, the civil rights deal, uh, they'll vote for us forever. And um, he was right. Uh, and in large part is because they have shaped the history and the dialogue and the narrative in such a way that they have positioned Republicans who were primarily responsible for pushing the civil rights agenda uh, through President Eisenhower, who was really the force behind it, and, along with uh, Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement, uh, that pushed that agenda in the political arena and, and brought it to fruition. It was Lyndon Johnson who recognized that they needed to support it for a purpose. And he was able to uh, win some of the uh, Southern Dixocrats over uh, to vote for the civil rights, not all of them, but enough to pass it in and to legislation uh, in uh, the House of Representatives and in the Senate that it, become, it became law. Uh, how do the Democrats exploit our community? Uh, this is something I think that needs to be looked at and studied. Uh, and from my perspective, uh, they have been able to uh, win the black community over by declaring that they're for the little guy. And they declare that the black community it needs a champion and they are the champion. And one of the things that they push as a narrative into the community is that the Republican Party is a racist uh, party. When they use that label, racist, it touches a sensitivity in our community. Uh, whether we like it or not, the black community has been damaged by a Jim Crowism and slavery. It has damaged us in terms of our psychological view of ourselves, our view of the country, and all of that. But when healing takes place, as it has over the years, the Democrats has a way of going in and pulling the scab off and reminding us that there is this history of racism and that the Republican Party is a racist organization that seeks to prevent, hinder, encumber our ability to have access to the American dream and to first-class citizenship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they are able to use that repeatedly. Absolutely. All they have to do I... is go in and say the Republican Party is racist. They have no interest in helping. Exactly. Pastor, I tell you what, hold that, hold that thought. we got to take a hard break here. We want to continue this when we come back right around the corner on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last couple of minutes of the program as we ramp up for another week. Holy cow, it flies right on by. Real quick, I want to tell you about my friends over at Americans for Prosperity. Uh, my friends in Kansas, especially, they have a great event coming up this weekend on Saturday. The Raise, uh, Raise the Nation Rally. A lot of great guests. Our local program that we do on Saturday mornings here on my flagship station, KQAM. We have a couple guests coming on tomorrow, including our very favorite friend, uh, former border chief, 
of uh, Border Patrol, Chris Clem. He'll be joining us in studio for the 10 o'clock hour tomorrow. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, for those that are listening outside of the state of Kansas on our other radio stations right now, that will be available on podcast as well. We'll do a bit of a recap on that on the syndicated program that we have over the weekend, too. So, uh, excuse me. A lot of things to talk about and get to uh, this weekend, which is fun. But a lot of uh, Americans for Prosperity, your chapters all over the nation, they are having big events. They are getting the reach out. And election season is here, which means they are getting you talking. And it's really exciting to see what's going to happen this year. I told you, man, this is the year. It's going to be fun to see how everything unfolds. Right now, we're hanging out with Pastor Stephen Broden. You can find him on the website, saltandlightcouncil.org is the website. The book, Pawns of Change. Go and check it out. Pawns of Change, the exploitation of black Americans by progressive liberals you can also find it on amazon as well pastor we got a few minutes here i want to talk about this change and this this message like you said the messaging that democrats have calling republicans racist and just right there that sensitivity of well a republican's automatically racist you have to prove that you're not which is kind of weird to prove a negative sort of thing for republicans so we're always pushed back on our heels and on the defensive here is that term watered down, do you think, with how loosely it's used from the from the other side of the aisle? Does it still have its meaning, or is it starting to get watered down just a little bit? I, I think there is a sensitivity within the community uh, because of historical uh, realities that uh, from time to time it, it, it's brought up, um, but I think primarily by Democrats who are constantly pushing the narrative in order to get votes. And if I can make you into a boogeyman and that I am your savior, then you'll vote for me, no matter what my agenda is. And the agenda of the left is to radically change our nation from the way we are as a constitutional republic into a socialistic paradigm. And because there is a kind of of voter ignorance within our community. And I don't mean that as a pejorative. I just mean that most of them are low informational voters who are voting on an emotional issue of racism. They they dismiss all of the other decadence and the morass that is in the platform of the Democrats that leads us into a kind of moral redefinition that is uh, antithetical to that which is represented in the word of God. Our community primarily is a conservative community on moral issues, yeah. primarily. However, they are voting for the immoral party that is pushing a narrative that challenges our conservative values and the conservative values of the nation, our Judeo-Christian ethic. And so until such time that the Republican Party uh, are intentional to go into the community, not to, to say that spend time being on the defense, but go on the offense. And the offense says this, that we represent the party that ended slavery. We represent the party that pushed civil rights within the, the nation and into the public square. We represent the party that elected the first black elected officials into the House of Republican uh, of Representatives and the House of the Senate. Yeah. That the Republican Party in Texas was founded by black voters. <laughs> that is true. Do they see that? that? I was going to say, do, 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 on the offense instead of being on the defense, I think you can get the attention of the people faster than trying to say, well, I'm not a, a, a racist and some of my best friends are black. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You're absolutely right. We got about 30 seconds left here. But do you think that some voters in in some of these quote unquote low information areas, do they start to see that when they see that there are more there's more diversity on a Republican presidential stage and there is a Democrat stage when you see more uh, in minority communities as Republicans and Democrats? Is that starting to wake people up, do you think, in about 20 seconds? Uh, not to the extent that it can, because the, the, Republic, the Democrats are, 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 are wily. Mm. We have the first black president, Democrat, first black vice president, yeah. Democrat. And we got women elected all over the place in the Democratic Party, black, brown and otherwise. Sure. And so I, I think visibly they have a better ocular representation of what they want. But it's all for a yeah. evil, wicked purpose. And we got to do better. We got to do better in the messaging. It's Pastor Stephen Broden. Go check him out. Go check out the book as well, Pawns of Change. Pastor, we appreciate the time very much, my friend. I love it. Happy New Year. Let's get you back on the show again real soon. We appreciate you. That does it for us today. Until we're back in again tomorrow or on on, uh, Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio. This is The Voice of Reason.